Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Harlow. Harlow's all-in-one freelancing software helps you manage and organize your day-to-day operations, get a full view of your clients, and get paid for the work you do, all from one intuitive dashboard. Founded by two former freelancers who know the ups and downs firsthand, Harlow is about more than just software. They're passionate about creating a supportive community for freelancers to grow and thrive. Harlow's launching soon, and if you sign up for the newsletter today, you'll get an access to a free month once the product goes live. Go to meetharlow.com slash subscribe to sign up now. That's M-E-E-T-H-A-R-L-O-W dot com slash subscribe. So what are you supposed to do when a client doesn't pay or is really late paying you or is being non-responsive when you're following up about invoices that are still outstanding? This is something that I think plagues the entire freelance industry. It's not unique to people in our industry. And so this episode, we're going to dive into what to do when that happens. Hopefully it doesn't, right? That's the dream is that you don't ever have to deal with this or you have amazing clients who pay, you know, within the hour of receiving your invoice. That's kind of the gold standard, but it's just not always the reality. So my first question for you, Emma, is what is your kind of first step when, like, what is the time frame for a past due invoice where you start to sweat a little bit? I think that that's a good place to start. Yeah. So I have net 30 terms with my invoices. So I ask that my clients pay the invoice within 30 days. And at that point, it technically accrues some level of interest, which to be honest, I'm not very interested in in collecting. It's just like that there's some incentive there for them to pay. And once that 30 days is up, if I haven't received payment, no matter whether I know the client's sort of good for it or not, I send them a reminder email to just say like, hey, I haven't received payment for this invoice. Here's a link to the invoice. Here's a PDF of the invoice. Let me know if there's anything I need to do on my end, whatever. And oftentimes that solves the problem. Like I don't think it's sort of worth sweating it because it's like a few days late. Like sometimes their accounting department just like is slow. Like that happens at a lot of big companies. I think what gets concerning to me is when I don't receive a response to that kind of email or like more time goes by, right? Like it's like 60 days and I still haven't received it. And then I'm like following up more. And my general sort of timeline is it's like, I follow up via email two to three times And if I don't get responses or I don't get satisfactory responses, I then pick up the phone and I usually like try and call the accounting department or like I try and call someone because usually like sometimes it just gets lost and companies are disorganized. So I try and get on the phone. Sometimes that doesn't work. And then I think once you've sort of tried like emailing three times and getting on the phone, that's when it's time to think about like, well, do I want to send letter from a lawyer? Do I want to use a collections agency? Or like, 
do I want to send the final email that's like super strongly worded or do I like want to walk away from this? I think that's when those questions, you know, start to percolate once I've tried to get on the phone with someone and I, I kind of haven't heard back. How about you? Like what's your sort of timeline for when you start to sweat and worry that this payment is maybe not coming? I have been really fortunate to not have a ton of issues with this. So my process, I really try to stay away from net 30. My thing is I'll get a 50% deposit upfront on the minimum, the monthly minimum that I require, which we talked about in a previous episode. And then I'll get the other half of that payment at the end of the month. And so it's usually kind of a net zero. I will usually give people like seven to 14 days of wiggle room, but I use wave as my accounting software. And what's great about that is it has these automated reminders in there where it's just a checkbox where it says like remind after three days or seven days or 14 days, whatever it is. So I do utilize those quite a bit and that's good because it takes one more thing off my plate. And it usually seems to do the trick to just send the reminder from the software itself. The other thing is if it's getting to a place where it's like past 30 days, I will also do the one-to-one follow-up. If I am not having any luck, I will try to reach the accounts payable department, which is kind of like you said. I haven't had to pick up the phone at all. Usually just getting to the right person through email is the thing that solves the, the outstanding invoice. But one thing that's interesting is earlier this year, I had a non-responsive client who I had worked with on a really big project. I had the 50% deposit but I hadn't heard anything for like two weeks and I had delivered the end product. I'd sent over the invoice for the remaining balance and was getting nothing back like crickets. And so I went ahead and tacked on the 10% penalty fee as like a, Hey, if you don't pay, like it's going to be an extra, you know, it was a hefty sum because it was a big project. And (laughs) what happened was the client immediately responded and was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa can you please take that off? I'll pay it immediately. Take off the penalty fee though. And so I did and I was flexible with that, but that seemed to do the trick. So I think having that in your contract, like if you go X amount of days past due on an invoice, I am going to charge you 10% more. And then enforcing it in practice is pretty effective, at least in my experience. Yeah. I found that even just threatening that I'm going to charge the interest that is in my contract is helpful. I do think like the 50% deposit point that you made is really good because I also require 50% deposit when working with clients, especially new clients. I don't always require it if we're working together for a long time, but that ensures that like the client like you, you will understand a little bit about what their payment process is. They understand how important payment is to you. And you have a little bit of confidence that they're sort of going to pay that follow-up, I think. I mean, I have to say, I don't run into this issue that often with clients that won't pay. I think occasionally I'll really have to remind someone. I think you're right that often it's a matter of just getting the information to the right person. So like, I think for a freelancer, I see people complain about this a lot where they're like, I can't get paid. You should just pay my invoice immediately. And it's like, if you work in-house at a company, it's like not always possible to, well, I should say maybe it's possible, but it can be very difficult to do something outside of like the regular accounts payable practices. So I always remind people of that, of like, that's why I, I sometimes hear people being like, you know, net 30 is too long. And I'm like, but net 30 is like the business standard. So like, yes, it's fine if you 
request payment sooner than that. But I think it's like somewhat unreasonable to be like 30 days is too long when like that's how most of my clients accounts payable departments work. Like my job is to be seamless to work with, um, not to like make things extra difficult, especially if it's like some content manager or marketing manager who's like not super interested in the accounting either. Like I don't, I'm not interested in having them like skirt the system on my behalf, really. So I think that's just sort of like a caveat with this. It's like, well, what to do when a client doesn't pay? It's like, well, if they don't pay that day, that's a lot different than if it's been 60 days and you're sitting on it and you're waiting. And I think that sort of 60 days or the 30 plus days is the part that I'm kind of interested in talking about, I think, because that's when there's some things that can be done. And like, I think I had one experience where I really couldn't get the client to pay. And I think it's worth telling that story because maybe some freelancers will relate to it or like, I just think, you know, maybe there's some lessons in it. But a client hired me to do a day rate back when I offered them and I don't offer them anymore in part because of this. And there was a bunch of work to do that day. We agreed upon like the terms of what I was going to do. I was paid a 50% deposit and at the end of the day, I turned in all the work and the client basically didn't like the work. Like he didn't feel like it was good enough or that I got enough done in the day, even though we sort of agreed upon what I was going to get done. And I heard him out on that. And I tried to make it right by offering like further rounds of revisions and going beyond the day rate to try and make things right and and do right by him. And he still wasn't happy and he still refused to pay. And he was kind of a difficult client anyway. So I was like, what am I doing here? Like, I can't really offer more value because I delivered upon what I said I would. I tried to make it right when things went off the rails. And at this point, like, I think that it's unreasonable what I'm being asked to do. And so I was like, well, how do I get my 50% that was remaining. And I talked to a lot of people at this time about like, should I use a lawyer? You can use like a strongly worded email from a lawyer. But I learned that like, I talked to a good friend who's a lawyer and she was like, well, it's probably not really going to hold up in court because the amount is so small. I think it was like $700 or something. The amount is so small and in a different state. So like it's, that makes it like really difficult to do small claims court or something like that. Like it just, if you can send a letter from a lawyer, but it basically like that might scare them into paying, but it it may not actually like hold up. Yeah. It can be expensive too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just the lost time of going to like small claims court or sending that. I mean, I think some people maybe have a letter from their lawyer that it's not, I don't know how expensive it is to get a letter sent, but like there's some costs associated with that. Sure. And then The other suggestion that I got was to use a collections agency. And what a collections agency will do is they will go and track down your payment for you in exchange for 30%, which is like 30% is like a hefty fee. But at the same time, it's like if you're on the hook for a lot of money and you've tried everything you could to get the money, like that may be like a good option. So I talked to some collections agencies and I could just tell that they were not interested at all because the amount was too low. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, I'm sure that they go after people that had a hundred thousand dollar invoices. This was not that, right? Like this was, or even at scale where like someone like me had 30 clients that they needed a collections agency to go at, go after. Like this was not that. This was just like a one-off and I could tell that they weren't interested in pursuing it. And so like, I basically decided like, I've already wasted a lot of time 
doing the extra revisions for this client, talking to my lawyer friend, calling the collections agencies, talking about this with other freelancers. Like it's time to walk away. Like this is not worth the $700. Like it sucked to do that. Like I hate that I had to do that. But at the same time, I was like, this isn't worth it. And also like, if he really wasn't happy with the work, like, I don't want to like keep fighting this. Like, I'm just going to say like, he got, he paid me something. I think I, it would have been really, really tough if I got nothing at all. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I got a 50% deposit and I was like, this is just not worth going after because it's not worth the money, the time or the pain to do it. And so I think like, depending on how much money it is, like you should never just let things go and walk away. Like at the very beginning of the process, like you got to give it the old college try, but sometimes it might be best to just cut your losses and walk away depending on what it is. Yeah. I think also there is the possibility that you can claim what they didn't pay as a loss for your business, which does have a, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a tax advisor, but I, I know that that is a possibility. And like you said, I think it's a case by case basis where you have to decide like how much time and energy do I want to invest in this? It also makes a really valid case for getting that 50% deposit up front. And some people even do like benchmark based, like parceled out payment. So like deposit and then the outline, you get a little bit more money, the draft, you get a little bit more money, final version, you get the rest of the payment. So that I think makes more sense for like a larger scale project over the course of like several weeks or months. So there are a lot of different ways you can do it, but I think this is kind of a problem. I think this is making a case for why freelancers really need to get a good gut feeling from the people that they're working with up front about maybe even just asking around if they work with other freelancers, like how are they to work with and and are they good with paying on time and have you had any issues with them? That can be really helpful for avoiding some situations where you're left holding the bag. Yeah. I was going to say that, like, I think you and I had a joint client and I worked with them and it was like super difficult to get paid. And then after the, and there were like red flags. I feel like with the payment, the clients that don't pay, there are always red flags along the way that you sort of ignore. And then you're like, oh yeah. Like it's never the great client that doesn't pay. It just isn't. But I remember I worked with a client and they were like difficult to work with. And then it took them forever to pay me. And I mentioned them to you and you were like, oh yeah, I've worked with them. They took like six months to pay me. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I could have, if I had said something, I mean, I didn't necessarily know to say something, right? But I think that's your point is like, ask around, try and get it, do that gut check of like, is this client actually good? Right? Right. It's a tricky thing. I mean, you're not always going to know. Sometimes it's really, you have to get into it to figure that out. And it's a bummer that that is the reality of the situation. But I think having that documentation up front, getting a signed contract where there is like, hey, we've both agreed on how this is going to work. You need that foundation to be able to come back at all. Yes, that's right. That's right. So when you go around the point of contact that you primarily work with for the writing work and you try to go to that accounts payable person or the accounting department, the thing to be careful with there is you don't want to piss off the person that you're working with and that's hiring you for repeated work. I have had a few situations where I was really having a hard time getting paid. So I found the contact for accounting and was like, hey, I have this unpaid invoice. But then the point person came back and was like, hey, like, just come to me and and tell me if you have an invoice that's not paid. And of course, I was like, well, you know, I've sent 
X amount of reminders and I followed up and I hadn't heard back from you. And they were like, yeah, we just got really busy. So <laughs> yeah, but that's so tough. That's so tough. It's like not something that is acceptable to get really busy on. One like tactic that I've used is like sometimes I'll email accounts payable and I'll CC the person. Like I think a way of getting around that is to sort of email them and say like, hey, like if this doesn't get paid, like I'm going to reach out to accounts payable. Like, and sometimes that, that gives them like a kick in the pants to do it. Yeah. It's really tricky because you don't want to like sabotage any relationships at the same time. It's like not acceptable for somebody not to pay you. Like this kind of conversation is like messed up that we're even having, I think. Yeah. And I think that there's a big temptation sometimes, especially in our world of social media to like, okay, well, if they're not going to pay me, I'm going to go drag them on Twitter. And I think that it's really important to resist that temptation because as great as it would be to go out there and tag the company that's not paying you and be like, hey, this sucks. That's really just, I feel like that just makes you look very unprofessional and like, that's not the route you want to go for resolving payment issues. Even though the temptation to do it might be really strong, that just puts you in a bad light. That's not the person you want to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think most of the time it isn't because of like ill feelings or something like that. It's because like the company doesn't have their act together. And so if you think about it from that light, it's maybe like less offensive. Like I think freelancers get all offended by it. And it's like, well, like I get that you want to get paid and that's really important. It's obviously important for us to like pay our bills and stuff. But at the same time, like you just have to look at it as somebody that just can't get their act together as opposed to someone like doing something mean to you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it sucks to not get paid. It sucks to be left thinking, okay, I don't know if I'm going to be able to count on this income or not. But again, like that just really reinforces the case for having long-term ongoing relationships with clients that you really enjoy working with, who pay you on time, who are good collaborating partners. Yeah, you can do one-off jobs with a new client every single month. And maybe you like that variety, but I think that there is something to be said for these clients you can count on to pay you on time. And I think you and I both have kind of built businesses around that model because it's just a little bit more predictable and eliminates some of that uncertainty with that comes with working with brand new people all the time. Yeah. And I would say that like this discussion we're having, it's like most clients pay on time. Like I feel like this is an anomaly kind of issue. Like this is an episode to listen to like when it happens. Cause it's like, it will probably happen to you if you work as a freelancer. It's just sort of a matter of how long or when, like it will probably happen to you at some point. So it's kind of like, well, what do you do when that happens? As opposed to like, I don't know, this is, this is not happening to us once a month or anything like that. Right. So that's part of it too. Like, I think also like talking it through with other freelancers when someone hasn't paid helps too, because like, that's how I learned about using a collections agency. Like I never knew that was an option available to me. It's also how I learned that like the money was like, one thing that I think is frustrating is like, you can have a contract and yes, it would like hold up in court, but the cost to go to court is probably not worth <laughs> holding up the contract, which I think is like sort of sad. Um, I think if you're charging more and more, it becomes worth it. And you want a contract anyway, because it illegally protects you as well. But I think that's like a little bit frustrating, right? That there isn't like a clear, easy path to getting something like $1,500 from someone. Like that might be something you have to walk away from, which sucks. Like that just sucks. But I think that's kind of an unfortunate reality of like, just the cost, 
Yeah. I think one of the interesting things that I've seen emerge just in the past few years is that there are freelancer specific collection agencies where it's usually just like a one person business where they will call on your behalf and be like, Hey, I'm the payable person for this freelancer. And I'm following up on this unpaid invoice. It's kind of a positioning thing where you're, you're making your business sound bigger than it is, which might be the thing that pushes the, the company to pay the bill. But it's also one less thing on your plate, right? So if you can delegate this to somebody who specializes in getting wrangling payments for you, that might be a a compelling option too. If this is something you're dealing with and it's a lot of money or it's happening a lot, if it's happening a lot, you have a problem. Like something is not working, but I think it's good to have in a pinch too. Yeah, something's not working if this is happening a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... There used to be someone who I remember she had a business like targeted specifically towards this. And when I looked for her to find her, I couldn't find her. So I think also like having an understanding of like where those agencies are, what the, like, it was hard for me to find a collections agency. I had to find like a local collection agency in my city to do it for me. So I don't know, like I think, and in some ways it's a good thing in the sense that like maybe there aren't that many people in business doing this because it's most people are paying. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's a good thing. I think Ashley, Ashley Cummings might have a template, like something you can buy that's like a how to get paid when like basically those strongly worded emails or something. We can look into that and include them in the show notes if we can find it. Yeah. Yeah. I think just to kind of wrap things up, it in general is super sucky when this happens, but there are options. And I think the best thing that freelance writers can do is to have a really proactive approach where there is documentation. You're having those conversations up front. You're being very clear about your expectations for payment and payment schedules. You're being flexible if you need to be. You know, like you said, if it's an enterprise company and they do net 30 and that's that's just how it is, that's maybe what you need to work with. But I think even in those cases, it's just so, so critical to have the deposit up front so you don't get into those situations where you've done a couple thousand dollars worth of work and then you are just out the money because that's the scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like if a deposit gets paid, that means that you're like in their system to get paid, that the contract has been approved internally. That's not just like one person that you've talked to who's like, yeah, 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 we'll pay this for you. I mean, sometimes if you're working with a one person business, that might be the case, but it sort of verifies that this person is serious and that your name has sort of been circulated and it's like a for real project, basically. Right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com. 